And I think that's something actually for recreational runners to bear in mind is that you have to be really patient with running. Like there's no quick fixes. Welcome to Chill Track Friday. Hello, hello. We are just coming out of a polar vortex. So I think I've had extra coffee because of that. Because <laughs> even though, relatively speaking, we shouldn't complain because of what the Midwest has gone through. I know. But still, negative 14 on the morning of, was it Thursday morning? Thursday, Thursday. morning was negative 14. And saw a lot of people posting their runs on the treadmill. Yeah. In order to cold. avoid frostbite. Smart move. You know, what's interesting, though, is that running has actually really taught me how to dress for this I mean, not necessarily that kind of weather, but generally cold winter weather. A week ago, I think, or similarly cold day, you texted me. You're saying, I'm wearing all my running gear to go to work, and then I'll change (laughs) at work into work clothes because I know how to better dress. (laughs) It's true. The wardrobe balances tips. Yeah, you're like, you know, pants I'm not sure about, but tights, I know exactly which ones and how many I need to get through today's four degrees. What kind of coffee? What What is this? What are we drinking? Oh, today is a Kenyan coffee called Kenya Estate Double A. I love the picture of the lion on that. I know. It's kind of majestic looking. I was like, hmm, does that lion come with this coffee when you get it chipped? It did influence me buying it. I was like, that is oh, beautiful. Marketing worked. <laughs> totally. I, if there was an elephant, I think oh. that will work on both of us too. Yeah, like definitely. If there was a baby elephant on that thing. Um, I'll just be like, yeah, I'll take, I don't know. Do you have like a 10 pound bag? Give me five of those. I know. Am I sponsoring this elephant? Absolutely. Like (laughs) for wildlife. May I? The wildlife fund. I want an elephant. So today we have a guest, a really lovely guest um, who hails from Ireland. But before we introduce her, let's talk a little bit about the history of Irish athletics because there are some really important and accomplished Irish runners. Can you walk us through that real quick? Yeah, sure. Um... Okay, so first there's Ron Delaney. Wait, wait. Delaney, you said? I know. Do you think that he's... Do you think Ben, our Ben Delaney, might be related to Mm -hmm. Ron Delaney? Yeah, maybe we should find Ron and ask him if he bakes bread. (laughs) (laughs) I think Ben would definitely beat him at the bread. Actually, Ron... Okay, let's talk about Ron Delaney real quick. Amazing (laughs) runner. So he was the first Irish runner and the seventh person ever to break the four minute mile so he's really important to Ireland and Irish athletics and that was in 1956 and that same year he outkicked John Landy who was the favorite to win the Olympic gold and uh, Ron outkicked him in the 1500 meter and won that race so he's a really important Irish athlete those Olympic games were in Melbourne by the way that was 56 and then there's Eamon Coughlin. He's a three-time Olympian, and he set the Irish record for sub-four-minute mile when he was 22. That's pretty amazing. Wowza. That's but, amazing. At 22. Yeah. And his specialty was the indoor mile, and he was called the chairman of the boards because of his dominance in this race. Um, and it's, it's called the boards because they used uh, ten- temporary wooden tracks over the, the track. Surface. I love when things like that happen. Yeah. So that was his nickname, Chairman of the Boards. It's pretty cool. Um, 
But he did more than just that. He won the Wanamaker Mile at Milrose Games, which those are next weekend. Mm-hmm. He won the Wanamaker Mile seven times between 1977 to 1987. And he was only surpassed by Bernard Lagat in the number of times of winning that. Lagat won eight times, and his eighth win was in 2010. And Coughlin also, in 1994, when he was 41, he was the first 40-plus to break the four-minute mile. He ran 358.15. Wow, broke it by a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And then again, surpassed by Bernard Lagat, who ran 354.91. It's pretty awesome. Interesting um, little rivalry there. Yeah. Wow. And there's Neil Kusek. Um, there's a few accolades, but the one that really stuck out was winning Boston in 1974 in 213.39. It's pretty fast. 39 seconds is actually quite an important <laughs> number for 2018 marathons. <laughs> I know someone who did something with 39 seconds at Boston, and then Elliot Kipchoge ran 201.39 at, Ber- <laughs> at the Berlin Marathon. But such a yeah, that's nerd. not about them. We're talking about Irish runners. So let's go back. I'm Irish. <laughs> oh, okay. You gave I'm it away. Kidding. I didn't say it was you at Boston, but okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Take that out. <laughs> um, John Tracy, he got silver in the marathon, um, the Olympics. Sorry, John Tracy, he won the silver at the LA Olympics. He won the silver in the marathon, and he had actually just run a qualifying round for the 10,000 meters. So that's pretty amazing to go run a qualifying round in 10,000 meters and then win silver in the marathon. Actually, the LA 1984 Olympics are the first Olympics that I actually remember. And I remember the marathon. It was on TV. We were on Martha's Vineyard and it was on the TV. And it's just, I didn't really know what it was, but I remember watching it. Um, were you like, where are these people going? Yeah, I remember. I think it was really hot. Um, Then there's Marcus O'Sullivan. He won the Wanamaker Mile six times between 1986 to 1996. And he also won three World Indoor 1500-meter titles. That's a lot of accomplishments. What about the women? Yeah, let's not forget about the women. Mm -hmm. Sonia O'Sullivan, who is uh, said to be the best female Irish distance runner, she won the 5000-meter at the 1995 World Championships which was the first year that distance was offered for women. And she won in a time of 1446.57. That's amazing. And then Catherine McKiernan, she won several national titles on the track and holds the Irish national record in the marathon when she won Amsterdam in 1998 in 2.22.23. Oh, it's held for a long time. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So... With all these accomplishments in mind, let's introduce our own champion, Rosemary Dooley. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Made her wait for so long to just listen to all of this stuff. She's like, guys, I'm the guest, right? So Rosemary is a friend who we met through New York Roadrunners group training. She is a managing partner at the law firm McCormick & Dooley, specializing in corporate practice, which means she advises individuals and small to medium business size businesses on corporate structure, formation, and governance. M&A's, joint ventures, and commercial contacts. Contracts. Oh, contacts. <laughs> commercial contracts, guys, okay? <laughs> commercial contacts would be helpful, too, actually. Rosemary studied law undergrad at Trinity College, Dublin, and went on to receive her LLM in commercial law at Cambridge. Thank you for joining us, Rosemary. Thank you for having me. It's very exciting to be here. Wow, smart and athletic. 
Um, so before we dive into your story, congratulations on your Gridiron Four Mile PR today. Thank you. Amazing. Thank Can you, you tell very us much. a little bit about the race this morning? It was a very good race for me. Um, I wasn't really sure until I showed up at the start line whether I was going to race. The goal a couple of weeks ago was to PR in this race and to move a corral, but then this week was not a good week of training. Um, I had a horrible workout on Tuesday, which was a hill workout, and I felt horrible. Um, I managed to finish it, but I didn't feel good at all. So I was like, what's wrong with me? <laughs> um, and then I didn't, I had a really early meeting on Tuesday, on Wednesday, so I didn't run, and I didn't run on Thursday because of the polar vortex. Um, and then on Friday, again, work kind of took over. So I ran some miles yesterday just to shake out the legs a bit. And then I showed up this morning thinking, let's see how I feel in the first half mile. <laughs> Once I got started, I felt pretty good. Um, and I knew what the time was that I obviously had to be to get a PR, but I was also looking to move from Corral E to Corral D, which of course to us runners is really important. <laughs> um, so I um, started off slowly because it's so busy at the start. And But when I got to the first mile marker, I realized my time was kind of exactly on pace for what I would want to, um, uh, you know, to get up to the next corral. So I just kept going at that pace. But, you know, as you know, the third mile is really the hardest mile when you have to go up Cat Hill. Um, so once I got to the top of that, my legs weren't completely dead. Um, and I just kind of kept going, kept going and uh, realized, you know, turning the last corner that I was it was within reach. So um, I crossed the finish line in 3017, and I think that was about 30 seconds ahead of what I needed to be, based on our friend Sean Ogden's corral <laughs> chart. That has become a Bible for all of us who race the New York Roadrunner races and know the corral system. It would be, everybody would try to just figure out what that number was for themselves until he actually put all of those formulas in. Yeah, I used to waste a lot of time trying to figure out the, the times I needed to hit in order to get to the next girl. I just want to say, you are way, you're very, very modest. You have been a PR machine since 2001. <laughs> and you don't ever really talk about it. I mean, it's a nice quality, but I just, we do want to talk about how amazing of a runner you are and also such a talented person outside of running. So. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, well, I never really, um, I mean, I, I, my first New York Roadrunners race was in 2002. It was the mini 10K. And before that, I was a very irregular runner. I, you know, maybe if I ran 500 miles over the whole year, that would be a lot. <laughs> but once I joined um, group training at the beginning of 2016, that's when I really started to see improvements and actually think about racing. Um, because I'd never really done that before. I mean, I'd done lots of New York Roadrunners races, but because I wasn't doing training as such or workouts, and I wasn't really thinking I'm going to run three times a week all this year for the next six months, or I'm going to run four times a week. It was more just whenever it fit in my schedule. I think even though I'm, you know, 10 years older than when I started or more than that, um, I think I've been able to improve because I've been doing regular training. It's so wonderful to see the accumulation of consistent training over a few years, just two years. It's amazing. Um, so if you don't mind, we would love to start from the beginning. Um, sure. So you've studied at two, two of the most prestigious schools in the world, and Trinity and Dublin. Actually, I 
Trinity in Dublin was sort of my parallel life dream school that I wanted to go to. I went to Ireland. It was the first place as a young adult where I traveled out of the country and I went to Dublin and I visited Trinity College and I just thought it was so beautiful. So um, can you tell us a little bit about Trinity? I mean, there's a, there's also a lot of there's a lot of rich running history in, in Dublin and at Trinity. Well, in Ireland in general, there yeah. are lots of running clubs throughout the country and some that are, you know, have been around for, you know, probably well over 100 years. So there's, um, yeah, there, there's a pretty rich running history for a tiny country. Um, we've had some, you know, pretty world renowned distance runners. So as a kid growing up in Ireland, we were, you know, we, it's not like we have world renowned sports people in every sport, you know, so the people that do make it on an international level are kind of, you know, national heroes. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know their names. Yeah. And, you know, I always followed running when I was growing up just because we had, you know, relative to other sports, we had quite a number of um, distance runners that did well. And so when the Olympics came around, if we had a runner that was in a, you know, there was a chance that an Irish runner would win a medal, then it was, you know, huge in the national news and so on. So um, I certainly took an interest. And for me, the Olympics was always the, the main event for me watching the Olympics as a child was the athletic events. It, mm. it wasn't like, I mean, I like you know, certainly watched other sports in the Olympics, but the track and field events definitely were the, the highlight for me. Um, were you a runner when you got to Trinity? <clears throat> Not at all, no. <laughs> I mean, I, I was thinking about this the other day and I was trying to remember really when, you know, I did any kind of running. I mean, as a kid, I was always outdoors and running around, but we had a little um, local event or every, um, Ireland's divided into counties. There are 32 counties and within each county, there's obviously lots of little towns and they organized community games they were called so it was like a little local event for i think it was probably under 12 and under because i remember participating as a kid and i actually googled it um the other day and they still exist which i was really surprised by and kind of i thought that was really sweet <laughs> it's still going on so they would run like you'd have a 100 meter and a 200 meter maybe 400 and there were a couple of other kind of funny races like the sack race where everyone <laughs> just like pulled a sack up over them and jumped along um, you know, 100 meters or something and an egg and spoon race. So you had to hold the, the egg on the spoon and run probably 100 meters as well. <clears throat> but there were several um, competitions like that. So I definitely participated in those. And actually, um, when I was at home at, uh, in Ireland at Christmas, my mom lives there. Um, and she was clearing out some things in her bedroom and she had she found like all these medals and stuff. And some of them were, <laughs> were actually my little community games medals like a silver and a gold and I, I do remember I think it was the 200 meters that I won and I can't remember what I got won um the silver medal was for but it was it was definitely 400 and under it wasn't but I kind of find that hilarious because I'm so not a sprinter <laughs> um, but every so, child is but, one but uh, you know yeah. the competition was not fierce <laughs> Our town probably had a population of, you know, in total of about maybe less, probably a little under 2,000 2, people. So, <laughs> um, but I, I did, the year that I won some medals, there was then you went on to the next like county championships. And I remember coming sixth in, I can't remember the, the race distance. If, if it was the 200 meter that won the gold in, possibly that was it. Um, but I remember coming sixth. And I, I do actually recall at the end of it thinking, 
I was just really not prepared for this, you know, like, I mean, we didn't do any training. It was like kids, you just go and run. And I don't know that, you know, the people who won were, I mean, they, may, they might have been in running clubs because I know our town didn't have a running club, but other towns did. Um, but I remember thinking like, you know, I was totally out of my depth. <laughs> but it was really fun because as a kid, you just love participating in those things. So when I went to Trinity, I just ran for fitness and a few of it, like my college roommates and I, we had a, there was a really nice, um, we lived in a really nice part of Dublin in our second year in college. Um, and there was a really nice like two mile loop um, that we would, you know, be, be very enthusiastic and say, okay, tomorrow morning, we're gonna get up early. and <laughs> We're gonna run that loop. And we thought we were amazing for finishing two miles. <laughs> um, so I did that again, you know, here, not regularly, but f- just for fitness. Have you gone back to that two mile loop? Have I in you know, recent times? In recent times, I haven't done the exact loop, but my sister, um, one of my sisters, had a ha- has a house in Dublin. She doesn't actually live there at the moment, but she um, did for several years. And so, like a couple of years ago, we spent Christmas in that house, and it's really close to that loop. So I did a longer loop, but included that um, that that two mile loop in in the run. You could go try to memory race lane. Yeah, twenty years later, self. <laughs> <laughs> You definitely I was like, PR. I think I'm a little faster now, even though I'm 20 years older. <laughs> it's the greatest way to feel like you're reversing mm-hmm. aging, you know? Exactly. You moved to the United States in... I moved in 98, beginning of 98. <clears throat> um, I had spent some summers here, time in the summers when I was at college. And so I have an extended family here. My dad had, you know, very typical Irish story of you know, big families and several of the family members had emigrated. So three of my dad's sisters had emigrated to the US in the 50s. And so I have eight first cousins who live here. Um, But so I had spent some summers in the US and I had um, I made some contacts and got an opportunity to work at a law firm in Manhattan. So I came at the beginning of 98 and worked as a paralegal there because I hadn't I had a law degree from Trinity and I had an LLM from Cambridge, but I wasn't actually qualified. I hadn't done the vocational training part of qualifying or taking a bar exam here. So then, I, you know, I thought I would stay in New York for maybe two or three years. And I was thinking about London as the next stop um, in terms of um, working as a lawyer. But I really settled into New York and liked it so much that I didn't want to leave. So I did leave for um, two years in at the end of 2005, and I lived in London for a period then. But I came back to New York in 2008. We crossed paths. <laughs> I was in London until 2005. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Wish I'd known you then. I know, I know. <laughs> Although you weren't a runner then either, were you? I was definitely no. not a runner. <laughs> I spent all my time in the library or the pub. <laughs> One or the other. (laughs) Um, Okay, so let's talk a little bit about uh, your running and how you got into the the marathon. So I was watching the marathon in New York in 2001. So um, it was right after 9-11. So I remember it was actually a gorgeous um, day. The sun was shining. So there were loads of spectators out and about. And I was watching with a few friends. And one, um, you know, I think you know, probably 80% of the people who watch a marathon become enthusiastic on the day and think, oh, I should run a marathon. I'm going to do that next year. And then, you know, five of 
those people actually do it next year. <laughs> that was that was me. Right. <laughs> so I was watching and we were all saying, oh, this is amazing. Um, and obviously there was a really um, this, the feeling in New York that day was because it was post 9-11 was it was very kind of um, joyful in some ways because people were out doing this wonderful thing and there were lots of um, there was a huge NYPD team, I think, and fire department team. And, you know, so there was a really good you know, New York kind of strong feeling. Um, so anyway, we we um, were talking about, you know, we should run this. And my friend said that um, Concern Worldwide has a team, because uh, as you know, there are so many charities that uh, have teams in, in the marathon. So Concern is a well-known, well-known to Irish people because it was founded in um, Ireland in 1968. Roll forward probably like March um, 2002, we heard about there's a meeting at Concern for people who are interested in running the marathon. So I said, I'll go along and so sat through the meeting and heard all about it and said, OK, I'll do it. <laughs> um, so that's then I obviously realized I had to start running regularly to um, to actually do the marathon. But I had no clue about, you know, how many weeks should you train. So, you know, and even then, obviously, had a, the Internet was up and running in 2002 but you didn't have access to as much information Mm -hmm. I think as you do now from so many different sources so you know I went online and I did searches for um, uh, marathon training plans and I think that's when I started learning a little bit more about New York Roadrunners because that was probably one of the first things that came up on the search because obviously they actually host the marathon Um, so I um, just found pulled a like a beginner's training plan from the, the website um, the, the New York Roadrunners website? Yes. So there, have you told Stuart this? Because there's a very good chance he wrote that plan. It's actually, I did, haven't thought about that, but that's I'm sure that's true. Yeah, he's mentioned that most of the plans that were on that right. site were written. So so that would be, be, be really interesting to that's great. So I pulled the plan, and I think it was probably a 16-week training plan. I guess I started, I wasn't thinking about what time am I going to do, but people would throw out numbers like, oh, can you run a four-hour marathon, or can you... But, I wasn't really focused on that, but um, I, I signed up for some of the New York Roadrunners races. So that was the first one was the mini. And I think I ran an 8.30 or 8.32 pace for that. So then I just, I, I did the Gretas, which was a half marathon then. And I think I ran 1.53 for that in the, um, it was early October, I think. So based on that, I just said to myself, I want to run a four hour marathon. You know, it's a nine mile pace and I, did the first marathon I was just you know don't go out too fast as even then was a mantra um (laughs) and so I actually ended up running with a friend of mine for most of it um and we did just stay very consistent but I knew by halfway I was on pace I was just enjoying it so much because New York it was you know everybody had said so many people will show up and it'll be you know this the atmosphere will be amazing and we were very lucky. It was quite a cold day, but it was it was not raining. It was pretty bright. Um, so there were lots of people out and the atmosphere is just so amazing. So it kind of blew me away from a, you know, emotional perspective. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is even better than I could have ever imagined. So I was running along and feeling good. Um, and then obviously by mile 20, my legs were really sore. <laughs> but um, I, and I had like a really basic watch. I didn't have, you know, I wasn't looking at splits. I was kind of, I was actually... It was an accumulation, so I was really trying to do the math as I was 
go getting to like mile 20 mile 21 that becomes easier as you go right <laughs> it's like you know so if i, I you know run another nine in a mile wherever i'll be at you know so it was it was kind of got ridiculous by the end but i actually came in at three hours 59 minutes and 32 seconds oh my god <laughs> that's so like a pacing dream it was it actually I, I think if i'm if i I'll have to go back and check my record, but I'm. Um, I think I actually negative split that for a first marathon with not really knowing, um, you know, anything too much about running or you know pacing or. So I had the number four, but I wasn't. I knew I wasn't going to be disappointed if I came in at five hours or if I came in at four hours thirty minutes or any number really once I finished it. Um, and I was enjoying it so much that it really the time didn't matter to me. But then I think when you then see your time and you think, oh, I've just come in under four, you're really happy too. So after having just spoken about your first marathon and then fast forward to the most recent, was your approach to the most to the 2018 marathon different than the first? Definitely. Um, I was I was more focused on time um, for New York last year um, because I've obviously been learning a lot more about running in the last two years. And um, also, I had been steadily improving. And I think that's something actually for recreational runners to bear in mind is that you have to be really patient with running. Like there's no quick fixes. Um, So I was also, um, because I've been, um, you know, in group training and surrounded by so many fantastic runners and just learning so much more about running. So the Boston Marathon became something that I really wanted to do because I was... I knew the number, the qualifying number was something that was within my range. I really wanted to do that. So um, so New York became a 350 goal. As anyone who was in New York um, last year for the marathon, we had the most perfect conditions. Um, and I felt good on the day and I was able to come in at 346 and 46 seconds, I think. Um, so it was, it was actually an exact two minute PR from my 29. 29- 2009 time but also hopefully will be enough um to qualify for boston in our yeah to run boston in next year that's incredible that's amazing yeah you know it's it's so funny because i um for so long i kept thinking oh i'd love to qualify for boston and but you know in the back of my head i was like will i ever be able to do it will i you know you kind of you have a lot of doubts because you know it just seemed like unattainable for a long time and certainly in younger age um brackets but when it then did happen i I actually i thought it was going to be really emotional when i crossed the finish line (laughs) but actually i was just you know i thought i'd be in tears kind of i thought it would all you know come out but actually i was just i was really i was just so i was really happy but just very calm happy Mm, (laughs) um and you know i saw you Anne, and i saw Stuart. So it was such a, it was an amazing day because everything just went really well. Um, The weather was perfect. And, you know, I started off conservatively. I was, I was in, my corral was between the 350 and the 345 pace group. And I decided to stay in my corral and just run my own race rather than go with the pace group. Um, And I saw the 345s, um, I somehow ended up slightly ahead of them in the first couple of miles, but then they passed me and there was the momentary temptation to say, you know, and it was only at mile three. So I had no, you know, even though I felt okay, I knew that I couldn't judge really how I was going to feel 20 miles later. So 
there was a momentary temptation to say, oh, should I try keep going with them? Um, and then I was like, that passed after five seconds. That's tremendous self-control, even for experienced <laughs> yeah. runners, right? Like, exactly. it's right there. Exactly. You're yeah. feeling so fresh, so good. The atmosphere is kind of on, you're on, you know, kind of on cloud nine. Right. You just started, you're feeling good. And so. I think that because I've run, that was my 14th marathon, I think. Um, so I, I know that you, you know, even five miles later, you might feel 10 times worse right. um, if you're trying to keep up with the pace that's slightly too um, fast for you. And, you know, the thing is, maybe you could have done it, but the thing is, you don't know or that early. So you're actually taking a huge risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, my goal is 350. My goal in the future can be 345, maybe, but it's not today. So I'm not going to risk missing both goals <laughs> um you know so i you know if, if you go out too fast you just end up with the possibility of running way slower because you've you've um you know expended all your energy and you're just running too fast for what you're prepared for yeah the price to pay is much yeah. higher if exactly. it's just two seconds per mile faster exactly exactly than being and two if, seconds you know if you end up slower. finishing and thinking oh i maybe had another couple of minutes in me well that's for your next marathon yep exactly <laughs> can i take runner. can i take us back for a second yeah so thank you for sharing the first marathon experience it's so incredible and i think we have listeners who are probably gonna attempt their first marathon at at some point can you go back to the morning off when you woke up and you had to head over to the start line, what that felt like, if you can kind of take yourself back to that Rosemary and like, what were, there's obviously excitement and all nerves, fear, everything is kind of jumbled up. I remember being just amazed by the logistics of it and the fact that we had to go all the way out to Staten Island and all of this was, you know, there was um, the organizational feat that New York, runner, New York Roadrunners um, achieves by organizing a marathon like this. It was so different to anything I'd ever done. Um, And because it's such a huge marathon and because it's the start is on Staten Island and on the bridge and the whole, you know, the anthem and New York, New York playing and then the cannon going off. I mean, it just it's really it's sort of surreal and so exciting. And then you start running and you just I mean, your first is so incredible because you don't know how the whole thing's going to unfold. Now I've done, you know, I've done 12 New York, so now I know almost every street on the course and um, you just get to know it so well, which has its advantages too. But the first one is incredible because you don't have that knowledge um, and you're just hoping that your, you know, your preparation has been good enough to get you through the finish. Um, but even, and, and I was also blown away by the, the number of people on the course supporting us. That's what really, because I'd heard there were going to be so many people, but I actually had no expectation there would be that many. And also, you know, the bands and the people with, you know, orange pieces and banana pieces and Vaseline and tissues. (laughs) I mean, it's like anything you need, you could get along the course. When I crossed the finish line um, and got my bags and I had my cell phone, I called my family in Ireland and I, well, some of them are in Ireland, some of them are London, but I called my mum first to let her know that I was alive. (laughs) And um, I called a couple of my sisters and they said to me later, like, we sounded like you were almost on drugs because I was saying to them, you have to do this. I was on a complete and utter high 
afterwards I was like you have to do this next year and actually two of them did sign up for next year New York was my first as well and it's I get sort of um, chills when I listen to you because my experience is very similar and it's you know it's this big looming thing that you've been working hard for but you don't know there's that lack of having done it so for me it was like can I do this can I go that far because even in my training the farthest I had gone I think was 18 miles and then when you cross that finish line it's like nothing that you have ever experienced in in my life and you know each one is different afterwards but that first one is like you're really crashing through something that is I just didn't even comprehend until I had already done it you know I know and if you had any doubts about other things in your life I think that you could or couldn't do or weren't confident enough and and it doesn't matter I don't think what your time is or it, the fact that you've you know finished it and gotten through it there is a real sense I think there's a sense of accomplishment in finishing the marathon um, my first one that I hadn't really felt with even doing exams or you know doing anything else in my life I think I felt more accomplished that I was able to train for and finish a marathon and run further than I'd ever run before and you're such an experienced runner now it's I really admire your running a lot um, do you have any goals for 2019 I know you're running Chicago Chicago yes um so the biggest um even more so than Chicago I think the goal is to do a better half marathon um so New York or um, the NYC half on March 17th which is our, my national holiday as well St. Mm-hmm. Patrick's Day um so that's going to be um to do definitely to go sub 150 I'm also doing Brooklyn oh and I I forgot to mention earlier on when I was talking about the race this morning I was wearing um, the same running shoes as Anne wears um, (laughs) same racing shoes as Anne wears so I felt that gave me I think an extra few seconds can't go wrong with the orange Adidas (laughs) (laughs) they're like lightning (laughs) we end each episode We'll see if it ends, but <laughs> uh, with a with a training tip for for our listeners, if you had one from your experience of running for all these years, I think it's um, consistency. There's lots of excuses, and life happens, and you have to you know skip run sometimes because other things are more important. But we, I think, we all agree, and you know, every runner agrees that once you get your shoes on and out the door, you never actually regret a run. Um, so just pushing yourself that little bit extra to um, to be consistent, and once once you get out, you'll you'll be fine. Right, and I think sometimes people make the mistake of consistency being this daily thing you have to do, but it's right. in, it's, it's actually spread out over a yeah. long period of time. And the idea is that no one run, no one week of running, no mm-hmm. one training cycle is kind of going to make or break you. It's actually consistency across exactly. years for you. Yeah. And that's what we and exactly you know, we're, talked we're about. And we're also, we have full-time jobs. We're not professional athletes. I mean, you know, if somebody gave me the opportunity to do something else for a month, <laughs> I'd love to see what it would be like to be a professional athlete. Because, you know, you have all the, obviously it would be very, it's very difficult, um, but you have all the um, facilities available to you and the masseuse and you can take a nap in the afternoon and, you know, you know, do all the things that we don't maybe get the time to do because we have to, you know, rush off to our jobs after we do our run or whatever and maybe don't have as much time to think about recovery and all the rest. 
Well, thank you so much for joining us. That was really lovely to hear about your